So, buddy, I got a guy on the phone today, and at first I thought this was going to be a really great idea. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is the one guy I would say on the face of the planet that knows what an absolute crap show it is to go hunting with me 90% of the time. <laughs> so I'm excited. Like, this is going to be, I like hearing other people's crash and burns. Oh, yeah. He's been around for pretty much, I'd say, 90% of them, at least in what, the last five years or so? Yeah. Six years? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you you know who this is. I know you know Brandon from before. So, was there ever a point, Brandon, that you were like, I'm not going to hunt with this guy anymore? Uh, well, even even the bad nights were pretty comical. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you just leave, you would keep him around for a laugh, at least. Well, as long as he shows up with his hunting boots and not his slippers, we're doing good. That has happened more than once, actually. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, Flip-flops are pretty much standard attire until I got a hike. So, yeah, I forgot yep. them a couple times. I can't stand flip-flops. Flip-flops are like a – there's like a rule in my shop. No no flat bills and no flip-flops. Yeah, I got told that one time. I totally forgot. You forgot? Yeah. <laughs> but No, I use slippers. Slippers, and then I put the boots on. But when you forget the boots – It makes it creek. rough, especially yeah. when you're crossing creeks. It's not a whole lot of fun. Well, let's not talk about us. I want to talk about Brandon, and I want to talk about your your mess ups. <laughs> well, what do you want to start with? Should we start with a good mess up? I think we should. Right. What's the most screwed up hunt that we've been on, Brandon? Or most comical? You, you get to pick. I don't know. I th I think the old possum race is probably <laughs> the funniest. That's yeah. So let's set the scene. Like, how did it start? Well, if, we can go way back. So, um, Jason, he's he's gonna go pick up a dog. I want to say that dog was probably a year and a half at the time from a guy, and we were gonna go try it. And uh, the guy says, "Oh, you know, he'll go, he go, and everything. He does good. Um, he's not broke. You just turn him loose, see what you think of him." So we pick him up, we take him. And I think we tried to send him in on two fox races that night and he just he had no interest and so we were it was getting late and we decided oh well we'll head on home and we happen to come down the road and there's a possum in the road i think oh well he's got at least one to run a possum it's standing in the road <laughs> yeah the guy said i very clearly asked is this dog broke am i gonna screw him up for you and he says nope i'll run anything that lays a track <laughs> yeah so we uh we get out and I run down and catch this possum so we can get the dog out and stick him in the road and, and, uh, let him go. And that dog, he kind of runs over by him and smells him and then gets to sniffing ground and peeing on the tire and what have you. And, and, uh, Jason's going, Oh, what, you know, what's the deal with this dog? I, I can't, you know, he, he don't, does he not want to run it? Anything I got in this box would, would scald that possum. And so me, I, I'm thinking, well, you, you really don't know until you try. Um, and he goes, well, I'll show you. So he, he takes some dogs out and fetch, we fetch the possum again and turn him loose. And he runs up the bank. And I think, what you, was it two you sent in there? Yeah, it was uh, Paisley and Pepper. So he, he sent him two in and. Like On a possum. You guys are like trying to start well, a possum. Yeah, because down here, I mean, really, up until what would you say, Brandon, the last two, three years, we it was rare to see a possum. So, I mean, I had hunted this dog. I was trying out all night, and I'm like, well, I just want to see if he smells something to start with. I mean, this was what, probably two, three in the morning. I mean, we'd been hunting all night long and not, a, you know, had him on those two fox, and he wouldn't do anything. But yeah, none of mine were broke off possums. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Well, and I think I would have. You probably wouldn't have done it, but I kept begging him on because he was he was sure that the mother ones would have just caught that possum, and I wanted to just see if he'd even even do it. And right. he gets him too, and they come in, and about the time that possum gets the top of the cut bank, them two are at the bottom. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's a done deal. And they start open, and it, man, I've never seen a possum run so far. I think they cut up the hill and started paralleling around, and and. Uh, Jason's looking at me and I can tell he's he's not liking what he's seeing and, and they're open they're, they're coming around the hill and about the time he's starting to go man I, 
well, I don't know what's going on. You know, I think they, they should have it. And if I'm not mistaken, we're probably 10 minutes in at this point. This thing ran over a thousand yards, <laughs> like in a matter of no time. I'm not kidding. Uh, so that was, I would, I would, Jason, I wouldn't be telling this. I'd be lying right now. I'd be like, I don't know what he's hey, talking about. No reason to lie about it. This was like early on. This was, uh, yeah. Shoot. What are you going to do at three in the morning when you can't get a dog to do nothing? It's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, sweet. I'm starting to look at Jason. You can tell he's, I don't know if he's feeling embarrassed or, or mad or combination of what, but he's not happy at what's going on right now. And he's saying, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to shock him. I'm just going to shock him. I get him back. I'm going to shock him. And so when yeah, I you put him on the pond, like, <laughs> you, you, you yeah. try to get the dog to go. And then you're like, no, I changed my mind. Not yeah. like a setup. Like you guys wanted to catch it. It wasn't like, Oh, you're trash breaking. Right. Well, we figured they'd put it up right there and they were young dogs, you know, no big deal, but yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, I can see he's really thinking about changing the, changing this dog's mind about running the possum. So, ah, uh, I, I, I see an opportunity and I snatched the alpha out of his hand and I said, man, you turned him loose on this sucker. We got to see how it plays out. And, uh, man, I want to say they come all the way over that hill and back down to the road. And I don't know if they fall apart or lose it or I don't, they probably lost it. I don't even know what happened there, but I know that thing ran a long ways in a short period of time. Oh, yeah. a little tiny they didn't catch it. No, no didn't catch it. <laughs> they didn't even catch it, man. <clears throat> I'm telling you, this is this is why why I don't hunt with many people. <laughs> that getting spread around. Now we're airing it like dirty laundry for everybody. I can but see that. I can. When see we that. went up to that cat hunt that uh, Brian Sorelli at Alder Grove put on this year, we were all sitting around the fire, and everybody wanted to hear a, a good story. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell this one, you know, and they all laughed. I remember Sean Parks. He says that's about the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the I don't do that anymore, though. Or sad. I'm not sure which. I don't. My emotions are not. I don't know how to take that story right now. Yeah, I don't think huh? I did at the time either. That was uh, looking back, it was pretty dumb. But <laughs> that's <laughs> what you do at three in the morning when you got nothing else to do. And I hate possums. So, so did you? Did that like turn that dog on to possums? No, he ran up there. And Brandon, I don't know if you remember this. He didn't just walk up there and sniff him. He licked his butt. <laughs> that yeah you remember that right in the ditch like licked his butt turned around walked back to the truck so either <laughs> a that dog knew better than anything i owned at the time which is highly possible or uh <laughs> he didn't make it as a, as a hunting hound for sure no oh man yeah but uh, that was the early days i mean you know when shoot brandon and i've been hunting together it's been what close to six years now probably i would say i don't know time flies but and you guys gotten better since then well, I, i'm gonna say yes i gotta redeem myself somehow i guess if you've seen a possum <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning are you i, I do not turn loose on possums okay. at 3 a.m now okay. i guarantee that we okay. have caught a couple but but not uh, not intentionally at this point <laughs> but yeah those were different dogs i mean really <clears throat> well brandon we let's get into some of the stuff that you started with mm -hmm. because I, we both kind of have made a transition on dogs, but like in the beginning for you, how did you get your start? What was, what was the driving force? Was there family involved? Was it just something you wanted to do? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know where the itch come from. I didn't at the time know anybody that had hounds. Um, I'd already always, you know, like the idea of working dogs and cattle dogs. Um, but the hunting aspect, you know, that's where the hound kind of come in for me. And uh, I remember one day I was probably 16 maybe. And uh, my cousin called me and uh, he says, Hey, I, I picked up a hound and uh, my mom won't let me keep it. Do you want it? And, you know, I said, Oh yeah, of course, you know, and, so I remember get it. Well, by the time I got there, he'd let that hound out and it took off down the road. And we spent the rest of that evening looking for him. We ended up finding him by the market, you know, a mile and a half down the road. Um, that, that was kind of where, where it started and it just went rampant from there. You didn't even own him and you were looking for him already. Yeah. And that's how a lot of, a lot of the years owning that dog were at least the first few, I was looking for him a lot. 
before GPS and yeah, yep. yeah. I, I, a lot of nights I slept in a in a truck listening to a beep, falling asleep, and then that beep. You, you know, you wake up and you just hear the static, and you're like, "There's no beep left," and you're like, "Shit, <laughs> right. <laughs> start this over again." Yeah, yeah. What kind of dog was that? Uh he was he was kind of a a blue like kind of a ticked up looking walker dog. Okay. Yeah. And did he end up making it? I mean, or, or was that just? He ended up. Of- he made a dog not not the greatest dog. It could have been my fault, his fault, a combination mm-hmm. of both. But no, but no, he he did. He definitely caught an, enough game for me to make me happy. Right on. Yeah. No, was it just him you were hunting in the beginning, or did you start with a like? Did you go full board, jump in both feet, and have a pack of dogs? Well, so I I got him, and I want to say he was. Oh, eight or nine months old, probably when I got him. And I messed with him and messed with him as good as a guy can who has no idea what he's doing. And uh, one day I, I was looking in the nickel and I come across the uh, Walker pups for sale. I think up uh, maybe out of Canyonville or something. And uh, so I picked up that pup there and and uh, kind of started started working with them and and. Uh, screwing them up is probably as good as i could because mm-hmm. uh, we all screw that first round up right oh yeah i like i said i didn't have a clue what i was doing i was just doing it and hoping for the best yeah yeah i i uh, always always say um the one dog i had that i wish I, I could go back and retrain you know what i mean like i i have a dog that i'm like i wish i would have been a better person or a better houndsman with that you know there's not a lot of dogs but there's a couple dogs and i'm like i'm pretty sure i screwed that dog up they would have had a lot more potential if i'd have it would have been in the right hands yeah yeah more times than not i thought that what do you think um you're you know looking back if you look back on that when you say you didn't you didn't know what you're doing what, what what were you doing wrong well i found out later so i had kind of read as much as i could and looked around and and uh I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna take this dog. Mind you, you know, I've, I've just barely got my license. I'm uh, so I throw him in. I had a, a Jeep Cherokee at the time, and I threw him in the passenger seat because there's coons and fox and everything running around the country roads, and and so I drive around and and he'd get to I'd get him to striking him and and barking. Well, at uh, at one point he got to where he was he was striking stuff that I wasn't having to pull up to anymore. And uh, so I was just petting him, petting him and getting him excited and encouraged him for barking at whatever he'd smell. Well, I, I found out later, I'm pretty sure that most of those were deer um, because that was that was his animal of choice for a long time. And I didn't have shock systems or, or anything like that. So I spent a fair amount of time running up and down the road, hearing him running deer past and, and trying to throw sticks and anything I could get his attention off the deer to call him back. And and uh did, did, him did, if I could. Did, so did you have, you have that feeling like maybe maybe this is good maybe you keep talking yourself into it like like you know one of my problem was is like oh it might be you know it might be good it might be good and and, <laughs> and that's one thing i did wrong for myself in the very beginning was i was like oh yeah no it, it sounds good <laughs> and it was not good like i don't right. know. well at the time i i had no no idea what the difference was unless yeah. i seen it um so i pretty much just let him do his thing until he come across the road running mostly deer. Okay. <laughs> and most people don't know this, but Brandon could be a linebacker uh, <laughs> pretty easily. Cause what, how'd you stop the dog, Brandon? Uh, I just put myself in the middle of the road as much as I could when he was coming. And eventually at some point I'd get lucky enough to scare him or get a hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> That was, I mean, that was crazy. Like we think of the, I don't want to say the old timers, but the the older generation, you know, not having the equipment that we have today, but there were some of us poor kids who didn't have it even when it was available either. You know, we're still (laughs) using, you know, rocks or, you know, shoot a gun in the air to get your dogs to come back and hope they quit whatever they're chasing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Honking the horn. Oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, 
I don't miss those days. Sometimes a little bit, but not, not, not some of those nights. No, I think the lessons that were worth sticking stuck, and I've I've lived that part of my life. I'm over it. <laughs> like now, yeah, it's uh, we definitely got a lot better tools now. So when when did you start seeing it? When do you think the transition started happening from from chasing deer to starting to be more consistent on good game? Um, and was it something you did, or was it the the dogs? Well, I, I think kind of, kind of figuring a little bit out here and there and, and, uh, you know, a, a pile of trainers and, and anything I could to show the dog that there's other thing better than deer to run. Um, and, uh, somewhere in this mix within the next six months, I had taken on another puppy. Why I don't know, but I did. And, uh, I bet it took them dogs were two, about two, and, and the younger one a little younger um, before they'd actually caught their first one. And uh, I just happened to be looking around. Well, I think actually what happened is the first time they'd ever treed, um, I couldn't see anything in the tree. And I had my cousin with me, and, and uh, he goes, what do you think we ought to do? And I said, well, you're a good climber, and I'm really good at falling out of trees. So I sent him up that tree. Well, he, he ended up climbing all the way up there. And uh, the fox ended up coming down past him, and and that's the only reason we even knew we had that. But it seemed like after the first one happened, then uh, you know a few trips later another one, and then a few trips more, you know, with many deer in between, they catch another one. And it just kind of started to evolve into to uh, being somewhat successful. Right. So are you able to identify a deer race now and and a lot quicker, or is it the way the yeah on the track yeah you know i think that's just something a guy same with a cat or a fox or anything you're running you can kind of tell they all you know they all run distinctively somewhat to the species um so yeah other than do we can vouch for there'll be a lot of times i get i'll I'll get a you know behind a fox that's kind of heading out and i'll go ah it seems a little weird and the first thing i'll do is anybody guy out I, I'm I'm always calling it something bad. It, what what is the worst possible thing they could be doing? Uh, is kind of where my mind starts to lead pretty fast. But uh. yeah, but it's usually on the weird ones. I mean, because I mean, anybody who's changed chased multiple game species enough, you learn. I mean, obviously, a cat runs different than a fox does. The fox runs different than you know, let's say the bear hunters or the lion hunters or or whatever. And, you know, when you get something that's burning off, lining out of the country, I mean, beelining, or hits the road, and all of a sudden you're running a half mile down a pavement road, you can't blame a guy for thinking that might be trash, you know? Like, that's not the norm. Right. But as soon as he's ready to just end it, you know, let's go home, and it'll pop across the road in front of you or something, you know, and get some visual confirmation, it seems right. like. Yeah. yeah, that's what happened with me and Jimmy last last season. I was out on the road and and uh, we were running one, and I'm like, "This ain't right. This ain't right. Something's wrong." And I'm, you know, fat boy running down the road trying to cut. You know, I want to watch across the road. I'm, I, I'm everything I could do not to to take him off of it because I thought it was coyote. You know, what I mean, I was like, and Jimmy's like, "What do you mean? I'm, this doesn't feel right. You know, I'm gonna this, uh, something's wrong." And sure enough, it popped up a tree, and it was a it was a cat. But I was like so close to you know. <laughs> now, most of the time i'm right you know it's i'm i'm like oh yeah no it sounds good it sounds good and the coyote runs oh ooh, that doesn't <laughs> anybody else see that? that too you know I'm like no this sounds really good I've, I've done it the other way too but rarely so i was just curious on if you know how you identify um if you you know have the 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 occasional deer race or whatever but what is it that makes you give that away you know it's hard to explain at least for me it is it's like you just kind of feel it right yeah it's when i kind of do it everything in the whole hound and training i think i just kind of go with my gut on a lot of it um uh, but yeah anything out of out of what i think is the typical fox race or or cat race i'm always looking i'm always looking for what are they doing wrong i, I just i can't help myself I, I'm always and, and Jason's over there egging you on, right? Like, no, it's fine. Is, is that what I'm getting? Because all you Usually. always say that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, so I t- just worry about it until you see it. You don't know. Yeah. 
Yep. And I, I would have a real hard time recalling a time that he was right in that situation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, but it's tough because they just do that weird stuff. And all of a sudden you're questioning everything in that, <laughs> that moment in time, mm-hmm. you're just waiting for that tightly wound ball to just come unravel, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but you know, over the years, I mean, obviously, Brandon, you're hunting different dogs now than you were before. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what kind of style of dog were you happy with early on versus the style of dogs you're looking for now? Because I'm assuming just being around you, that's changed quite a bit. Yeah, pretty drastically. Um, when I first started, I was happy with any any hound that would put an animal in the tree. I don't care how you go about it, what happened. When you left, if you ended up with something in the tree, I was tickled, tickled. Um, now, now I'm kind of, I, I like the dog to, to run a certain way. I want his mouth, uh, you know, open in a certain way, um, his track style. Um, I'm even, I'm even getting picky down to the body type. Uh, he's got to be built good. Um, hair, obviously, you know, that's become a thing for me. Um, running fox in the brush i've noticed that a hairier dog will hold up to the brush way better than a thin-haired dog um yeah i I don't i don't know if there's any similarity to what i run now compared to what i started with complete 180 yeah way different so let's 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 walk it through the steps then when when you um when it starts or or you know, you say the the barking. Let's let's pick one of the categories and mm-hmm. explain that. You know, uh, what it is that you like. No, it's like from the start. Um, so we run the same animals all the time. They're always there. Um, they know the dogs. They know they're coming. Um, so I like I like a dog that when he's working that track, um, he's not saying too much because the the fox they'll hear you and they get to moving out. And then you next, so you, you know, you're running, you're pushing that fox who's, who's skipping out ahead of you, um, which might make the difference between a 20, 20 minute race to an hour race doing that, you know, and it, an overly mouthy dog for me um, puts me too far behind the animal most of the time. Well, and I would say like, you know, the older style of dogs are real open, you know, traily style hounds where, you know, hunting with what you've got now, or they're a lot different. I mean, almost to the opposite end of the spectrum on some of them, wouldn't you say? Yeah, probably so. It's like a fine balance between a dog slipping out quietly, you know, and getting the jump on somebody. And next thing you know, you got one or two dogs running a piece of game instead of the pack being able to get in there. Right. You know, I think that's one of the trade-offs that you've had to battle too. Yeah, well, I'm always fighting the, fighting the balance between opening enough to let everybody know where you're at and to know you've got a hold of the animal and uh, not barking so much that you're, you're either holding dogs back or, or letting that animal know you're coming, you know, way before I'd like them to know I was coming. Right. Yeah, I was going to say one of the, the things I was going to ask you about was training a young dog. If they're silent dogs, um, it... it it gets frustrating, at least for me, sometimes I'll have a, a quiet dog take out the, the, the track and it's like kind of cheating. You know what I mean? For me, it's like, Hey, you know, none of the other dogs hear it. And so one dog starts slipping out and you start seeing dogs that, um, be honest, I would imagine there's some difficulty there for you if you have a too silent of a dog. Yeah. And I find, cause I got some that are, are still on the, you know, they open way more on our older track than I'd like. And I got some, like you're talking to where, where, uh, they kind of like to do the slip out and then by the time they're opening they're 200 yards out and and everybody else has got to you know put it to them to get back back in there yeah yeah that's interesting it's kind of a a balancing act or at least you know I, I i like i'll probably err on the side of more open than than you but um it, it, at times it just drives me nuts when they bark too much too right so. Now, what about your your jump? Is your jump pretty? Are they you, by then you're you like them open or? Yeah, um, if if a dog's if it's got a hold of the track and it's moving good, I'm pretty I'm pretty good with 
you open as much as you want to. Um, but you know, I, like I got one, I got one now and she's a, she's probably the best start dog I've ever owned, but she's really open. Um, so she's, she'll back there and she's opening on a track that maybe the other ones, they, they might get out there three, 400 yards before they really start opening and, and, uh, save me a little bit of letting that animal that hears me all the time know that I'm coming, you know, and he, he gets, he gets to running when he's that far ahead. It kind of, kind of puts me behind too much. So you mentioned like a start dog. And so explain that, that process. Um, I know in some parts of the country, they have a, you know, a strike dog and, and they send one dog out first. I mean, how do you start your tracks? Um, a lot of times I'll just put everything I own in the road. Um, but if I'm, if I'm wanting to kind of fly around, I, I rig all them dogs. I pretty much just have them on the hood versus the box. Well, that leaves me limited to room. So I'll put, you know, one of my good, my good strike dogs with a younger dog I'm trying to work. And, uh, so when I'm doing that, a lot of times there's that old dog that's doing most of my starting and not necessarily that, that I have one start dog because I expect every one of them to start trail, you know, and catch their own animals. Um, maybe she's just the best at it. <laughs> yeah. she, just, she just seems to be more, she, I don't know what the word is. I can't even think right now, but uh, she's a more traily dog. She contributes more in your, in the beginning. It seems like, or is that what you call start dog as, as a dog that's well, down there? She, uh, she just, she, I, maybe it's just that she takes older tracks than the other ones. Um, and, and not, they don't smell them, but she's just, she's had, you know, all the hounds I've had, she seems to have a knack for getting those old tracks that a lot of dogs that I've owned will, won't figure it out if you leave her there she'll stay there for hours and just sit there and work and work and work and eventually she's probably going to figure it out where some other ones they might get out their little ways maybe they do maybe they don't get those old ones going uh -huh. um, she yeah she just and just naturally you know it's nothing she, I, she was just born that way i guess i don't know she just she just seems you have everybody down so all the dogs are down but she's the one that kind of opens up first and gets gets the pack lined out. Is that what you kind of, I'm just trying to understand what, why you call that a start dog. You know, if that makes sense. Well, I must, I might've spoke out kind of out of place there, not necessarily the start dog, because like I said, all of them that I'm going to own are going to be start dog. Right. Um, she, she dang sure is going to open first because she's just that she's just mouthy. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of times, um, she, she, she almost stands on her head a little too much to where some of my other ones might get out on her. Uh, so she's kind of back working this track steady where, where they might kind of swing around and, and, and hunt it a little more. Um, she's really track, you know, step to step type dog, um, which on a hard track that helps me. Um, but sometimes it also holds some of them younger dogs back that are reaching out and trying to, you know, get a hold of the animal a little better. That makes sense. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, the thing with her is to, and I think back to just different style of dogs, you know, with her, I don't want to say she's mouthy either by any stretch of the word, but she's just, when she smells it, she's so driven and so excited. She can't help it. Like that dog will literally just sit there and wind and shake. Like she's so excited to get it. And it's right here. And it's that little piece that she can hold on to. And then just keep working that and working it and working it where, you know, some of these other dogs that you're hunting, you know, I see they swing out and they're trying to cut. I call it leapfrogging. But when you got a dog that excited behind, you get a young dog without a lot of confidence and all of a sudden they're sucking back, you know, and they're losing two, 300 yards of track, right. which is giving them another, you know, X amount of time to skip out ahead. And then you end up like just kind of never jumping it. You know, if they skip out on you too far, it's just, and I'm not saying you in particular, but right. it just makes it hard to, to finally get that animal jumped when you're taking one step forward and, and two steps back. Right. Right. Yeah. And that'd be her biggest flaw. Um, and then that, that really puts the pressure on, for me, on some of them dogs that are a little tighter mouth, they get out there and hit that track. Maybe they bark once or, or twice. Well, that might not be enough to pull her ahead you know because she she kind of likes to hang back um 
like I said, she's, she, she, I mean, that would be her biggest flaw. She just, she kind of hangs up a little bit and, and uh, that's where if I could change her, I would, I would tighten her mouth a little bit, you know, and let, and let her and have her hunt, get out, you know, let be okay letting go of that track. But I think maybe holding it is what makes her valuable to me anyway. So that, that's kind of a tough one. Yeah. It's always a balancing act. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what, you know, what would you look for in a puppy when you, when you, when you decide to, to bring a new dog on, what is it that, that you really look for? Like, uh, like if I were just to walk up to a litter of pups to pick one. Yeah. Like if you were going to add a dog to your pack, what, what's the first thing? Um, well, you know, if, if I'm not misunderstanding like puppy temperament, if I'm, if I look at litter of puppies, I'd always, I always tended to pick the more energetic puppy. Um, but the more I hunted those, I, I kind of, I'm starting to lean towards more that, that, uh, that pup that's just, he's kind of fine smelling around by himself and a little more independent. Um, and I think that's, I've just seen a lot of the, the more energetic puppies almost are a little, uh, less focused. Right. Um, and you, yeah, they kind of, they seem to want to play more and stuff. And whereas that more independent puppy, um, in my experience, he, he's more apt to, to stay there and, and learn versus jump on other dogs when they're trying to work tracks and play around. Yeah, I see. Um, who do you, do you any, I, I'm stuttering here, but where do you look for where a puppy, like who, you know, do you look in the paper, do you have friends? I mean, where, where, when you go to grab a pup, where do you have a, a certain pool you pick out of or? Yeah, kind of. Um, in the sense that uh, I kind of look at the stuff that's the blood is similar to what I'm hunting. Um, I kind of know it. It kind of gives me a better idea. Um, but when I when I decided I wanted to change uh, the dogs I was after, I just you know I'd hear about someone else, and you know they they produce a, a line of dogs that works good for them, uh, and uh, I'd go hunt with them and, and look at them dogs, and I I drive around and see see which one of them pups or how their dogs acted if, if they were going to suit me. And if, and if it looked like something I could use, um, I try one and, and kind of built what I have now. Um, most of the dogs I have now, I, I got them before I knew the blood and, uh, from several different people and they all end up being bred fairly similar. Um, so being that that worked for me, it's kind of where I, where I stuck. That makes sense. Almost eerily coincidental when, when you start looking because Brandon sits there and transcribes, you know, his own pedigrees and, and whatnot. But when you start looking at them, it's like, holy cow, no wonder you liked all these dogs. They're, you should. You know, they're all related. They all go back to the same kind of thing. So you're consistent, man. I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And being that they all come from different places. And like I said, I didn't know. I didn't know the breeding on them until after I'd got them. So to find out they were the dogs I liked were so similar bred finding out after the fact kind of told me a little bit, you know, about what I like in the dog anyway. And so what breeding, you know, what, what was the line or breeding that, that was the trait, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast and was like, Oh, you know, it, what is it that you like about it? Where is the commonality? Um, like in where the dogs come from. Yeah. So for, from, for instance, I have, I, I've never seen your dogs. I don't have a clue. So I understand the concept of you have dogs that you like and they're all connected, mm-hmm. but how would a guy like me that decides I want to, you know, if, if I wanted to start chasing Fox mm-hmm. and w- what would I be looking for? Um, I'm kind of slow, so I'm having a hard time understanding the exact like trait wise. So, so I, I have no idea what breed of dogs you have. Oh, I got you. I, you know, so, so you say they got this commonality mm-hmm. of a certain breed, or or you know, long, what I've heard is I've heard long haired, but I want to know if I was to start and, and move down to your back backyard and start catching <laughs> your cats, where would I start? You know, so what what kind of dogs? If you're if there was a young guy listening right now that had no clue where would you point him through on, on the dogs? If he wanted to take your advice and I would say, take Jason's advice, take your advice. And he's probably at least 
going to be better, but where, do, where yeah, would you start? Sure. Um, well, everything I own is, is, um, tree and walker with, um, some run and walker, some, some July in it, but, but a, a running dog strain of some kind. Um, a lot of, a lot of the base from that come from, um, some of the, the dogs down in California that, um, you know, Sonny Turner brought in from way before I was probably even a thought. Um, and, uh, and, uh, those guys, they breed, they breed a lot of, a lot of running dogs or tree dogs. Um, everybody's got what they would like. I would like, and ratio is kind of hard, but, um, three eighths running dog into my tree dog. Um, if that's kind of what, what you're getting at. Um, yeah, it, it does as long as a, and so my next question would be, what are you defining as a tree dog and, and a running dog, which is a, is a heavy question to ask you. And I, and I think back mm-hmm. and I, and I wish we would ask this with, with Don and Ted, you know, in some of our previous podcasts, because um, that's such a unique topic among mm-hmm. houndsmen that I've seen is tree dog versus running dog. And, in, in the mix. So um, when you say that, I, I just want you to explain what, what your idea of a tree dog is and, and a running dog. Cause I know for me, you know, a, a tree dog, some people associate that to um, competition dog. You know I mean, there's just so many different levels of dogs. Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear what you define as a tree dog. Uh, so, you know, like a tree bred dog, um, a lot of paper, paper Walker dogs and, and, um, that sort of dog that was bred to tree um, versus obviously a dog that's bred to run coyotes and stuff. You know, it's bred, bred years and years for endurance and the trees bred out of them uh, where a tree dog, you know, he's been consistently bred to tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I find that I find it hard to, you can't just go out and get any, any registered train walker and breed your, your, you know, registered running walker um, and necessarily get, the mix um it's you know because it seemed like a lot of tree dog tree and walkers or registered dogs that i find um they they have a lot of tree but maybe they lack the locate um and then i end up with false trees and stuff that fat kids really don't like um and that's that's kind of what pushed me into breeding breeding some running dog into what i had anyway um, because yeah, I, I got it. I got to have a dog tell me that the, that animal's in the tree, but I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't walk to too many empty ones. Uh, like I said, it's, I don't, I don't necessarily like to walk more than I have to. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. I think, I think you explained that a little bit. Like I said, it, it's just interesting, you know, when, when we talk as houndsmen, we, we kind of have this history of, of learning. And so, so it was brought, you know, my attention was, you know, not everybody understands what we talk about sometimes. Like I, I understand what you're saying. And uh-huh. so I just want to kind of back it up and make sure that, you know, some of the new, new guys that may not fully understand. Right. Um, and we're never going to be the uh, fully educational. You know what I mean? Like I, I think we're going to be talking over a lot of people and we we'll try not to, but if I see that, I want to try to, Right, right. You know, that's just something we're trying to do here with the podcast is we want it to be enjoyable for a broad broad spectrum, I guess. Well, especially with the younger guys. I mean, I had no idea what a running dog was. I mean, I was focused on, you know, I had blue ticks, you know, walker dogs, whatever. And you don't even think about it. And it's just that kind of natural progression that, you know, a lot of us have hit where, you know, you're just kind of immersed in the lingo and the lifestyle and it just all kind of comes naturally with your dues that you've paid but god i wish i would have known about some of this stuff earlier on you know so if we can get get this info out there for some novice houndsmen uh, i'll say you know i think it's pretty valuable yeah. so i mean as far as running dogs <clears throat> we're looking at what would you say most of yours comes from it's july or trig um uh, mostly running walker um and there's there's a little bit of july in them here and there um you know that come from um you know so, some of it come from tennessee south carolina um is where where the majority of the 
the ones brought out. And like I said, I didn't bring them out. Um, I had, I'd got those dogs, um, from some guys in uh, Southern California that, uh, seemed to produce dogs that, that had a lot of drive and no quit. You know, they're, they're running in some really rough, rough brush, um, for hours and hours. And, and, uh, that's kind of what drew me to go down there in the first place is, is finding a dog with a lot of heart. And, uh, I figured if, if, if a dog can go and, and, uh, chase, chase animals in that brush for hours upon hours, um, day in and day out, um, he's got to want it pretty bad. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I started. Cause I, I think, I think what makes a hound first and foremost is probably heart, the drive, the, you know, the want to, to, uh, catch game. Um, he could have all the tools in the world, but if he doesn't want it, he's, you know, he's not going to be what he should or what I expect anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, I mean, as you started getting further down the houndsman trail, okay, like progressing, knowing what you're looking for, because that I think that that's something that most people don't realize, you know, they get involved in the sport and they think that it's all just, it's hound dogs, you know, you turn them loose, you go catch game, it is what it is. But, you know, as you progress farther on, um, I just think you, you naturally tend to lean one way or the other. So in doing that, I mean, you completely changed style of dogs. And I know like earlier on when I, when I started, I'll use myself as an example. I didn't know what I was looking for, so they all worked. Like, like as long as they were barking on a track – I was at that that inner or novice level of houndsman where I was just happy to go out and turn dogs loose and hear them. And every one of them seemed to actually, you know, make me happy. It, are you finding that your standards have significantly raised? I mean, what about these dogs? Let's say you're bringing in a couple of dogs, two, three. I mean, are the odds of them working out for you pretty good now that you've done your research and you know kind of where they're coming from and you've hunted family members? Would you say that there's a lot of consistency there? Yeah, yeah, there's there's things for a lot of consistency, and that's um that's kind of why I stick with uh with with the bloodline. Um because no no one wants to waste time and, and if I go get a dog from wherever it be and and uh I put a year, a year and a half into this dog and and uh, it doesn't make what I was after. Um, I, I feel like that's a year and a half. I don't want to say wasted, but um, I could have put into something that I knew was going to work. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I always want to better the dogs. Um, and uh, so a guy's got, I guess he's got to get brave and, and, and try different stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think calculated that, risk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I always, I always attested it that, um, as I grew into it a little bit, I started realizing that I was trying harder than the dog. And I always thought, you know, I want a dog that tries as hard as I do. You know what I mean? And so there was times where I was ready to give up and now I want to say all the time, but most of my dogs will, will try harder than me you know what i mean at least in the beginning it seemed like um as my expectations rose the expectation of my dogs started rising as i realized that i was still trying to to start a cat or whatever it was and my dogs were back in the truck like hey let's go catch another one let's go catch an easy one or whatever it was like, this is too hard or, or whatever and I, um it just it seemed like a natural um progression as far as my expectations as i started younger Right. Yeah. And I think over time, a guy kind of, the, the more he learns, the more he, the clearer it is what he's after. Um, it's easier to pick it out. Um, and like that, the, the, like you said, the dog wanted to hunt as hard as you. Um, that, I think that comes first and foremost, because you think a guy, he spends all his time and the money to, to take a little bit of extra time he has and, and spend the money to get to the woods and hunt the dog. Last thing he wants to do is show up and have the dog say, yeah, maybe not today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've had dogs like that. So I'm like, oh, yeah. and, and I honestly think in the beginning, that was probably a good dog for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, cause I wasn't trying as hard. I didn't know what I was doing. And so it may, it, it, 
I reflect back and think it was probably me that may have influenced that dog, you know, um, some of those early dogs. I'm like, man, I wish I could go back and try those again. It, more as an experiment because I, I think I wasn't ready for the dog. Right. Is there, in your mind, is there one dog that you wish you could go back and, and do over? There's there's a lot I'd probably like to have. Um, but I, I try not to try not to think on that too much because it kind of bumps me out, you know, a little bit. Um, I just, I'll just go, I just go with it. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's some dogs that were, were taken from me maybe early that I would like to have back, but um, I think that's part of the road. So I don't, I don't really look back and, and think about fixing what I've already done. Um, just try to recognize how I screwed that dog up and, and uh, don't do it to the next one. Um, so what, uh, as far as, you know, talking about, you know, not screwing up, what, what are some of the, the biggest learnings you've had that you have learned as far as, you know, mistakes you've made in the past that you try not to make in the, right now? Um, well, like for instance, letting the dog rig stuff out of the window of that Jeep, <laughs> encourage you don't encourage the deer anymore yeah i try not to encourage bad behavior as, as much <laughs> as i can um uh and i think a guy's always always got to be leery on on the amount of the amount of correction he uses um you know like shock callers for instance um i've i've owned well like the dog uh the dog i i told you i bought out of the nickel um second second hound i ever owned and and uh, I'd end up getting an old, old Tritronic system and, and uh, I'd got after him one time and he was kind of a soft dog. Um, and it, it, seemed, it seemed to set him back several weeks um, where he, he wasn't wanting to get out and, and hunt as hard as, you know, as, as he should have. And uh, I attributed that to uh, telling him no. Um, too severely to the point where it wasn't worth him risking risking starting those animals right yeah i can i can definitely relate to that um i i was not qualified to run a, a shocking system or training system early on I, I did more damage than i did good mm -hmm. and my wife luckily i mean i somehow i i just handed her the remote for a while and and she was much better at running that and now i i I don't know if it's maturity or what, you know, but now I, I, I don't go to the top so fast. You know I mean? I used to be too, maybe I was impatient or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I think like you, like you said, is you damage the dog um, by our actions. You know what I mean? If we're, we're too aggressive on the wrong dog. Right. Well, yeah. It's like a, a mental, it's like a mental speed bump for him. I think, cause that, I think anybody who's ran dogs and you used, <laughs> used an e-collar at some point can look back and say, yeah, I probably didn't need to, to use it in that instance. Or, you know, you get emotional. And I think that that's something that, that levels off as you mature in our sport and our traditions. You know, early on, like, yeah, you, you get real fired up and it's hooting and hollering. And I, I, at least with myself, I know as you progress, you're you're still that excited and jacked but it's redirected you know it's more towards like you're just jacked about that dog if they screw it up it is what it is but you're not focusing on that one dog that screws up you're focusing on the other dogs that stepped out away from that comfort zone and now they're running it on their own and you, you kind of take different pieces away from it i mean just outside looking in i think that that's a that's a progression that most of us that have been doing this a while have. And I think it, it's encouraging to the, the newer crowd coming in is you're going to get excited, but don't, don't make your decisions hastily just off of that raw emotion in the moment. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, luck, luck, and lucky for me, uh, hounds are pretty forgiving animals. Um, there's probably been lots of times I, I've, 
I've got after dog maybe when he wasn't in the wrong and this and that. And, and uh, like I said, luckily for me, they, they can kind of get past that a little bit, um, which probably saved me quite a bit in the long run. Yeah. Right. I think we can all relate to that as, as uh, there's that joke where you, you know, stick, which one loves you more, your dogs or your wife and you stick them in the trunk for, for a couple hours and open up the trunk and see which one's happy to see you. you know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, Jason, do you have any more questions or? Man, I would say we got to end it with a train wreck. Uh, we started it with one of mine. I want to hear one of Brandon's. Oh, I try to block those out. Um, well, you can tell another one of Jason's if you got a better story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a book about like Ted Craddock's record log. Well, my <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's only fair Jason got to come up with something. Something to say about me. I, I spilled the beans on the possum, so. I would say, I mean, let's, I'm going to step out here, but I'll tell you, like, hunting with Brandon, it, it started off, I mean, people flat told me he was an a-hole. I mean, and I'm not saying that they were wrong entirely, but, you know, they told him the same thing about me. And it I'm, took a, I'm, a, I'm already starting to like him now. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, That's probably my guy. Right? Yeah. I like those guys. And, you know, it, it's one of those things. It took us a long time to get hooked up. To hunt together really like we knew who each other were but you know we were kind of steered in different directions and when we really started hunting together i got to know his family you know really well and jen and the kids and, and his son cameron uh, it's one of the best parts about hunting with brandon no disrespect bud, but i love your kid <laughs> and I, I just remember like cameron has latched on to his dad everything hound he's there 100 percent, and uh we go down to this field trial in California and, you know, everybody's sitting there talking dogs and, and we're talking in the midst of some pretty awesome houndsmen, you know, guys that have been doing this 50, 60 years, very credible. And you might have to help me with part of this, Brandon, because I don't remember exactly what triggered Camo to say this, but somebody had said something. And I remember Cameron at about what, six years old, seven maybe yeah maybe even and he looks at this guy just cold stone face and he says do you even hound hunt bro i mean and all <laughs> these old guys are just dying laughing and i'll never forget that moment and ever since then i mean shoot how many times have we like drug your kid across the creek or piggybacked him or <laughs> you know, is, it's never a dull moment. There might not be a whole lot of train wrecks, but man, there are a lot of enjoyable hunts and memorable stuff, especially with those kids around. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to make sure we keep taking those kids out. That's the that that is one of the coolest things is to watch those kids. Yeah, they just get so excited. Well, if Jason's behind him, he can fish their flashlights out of the creek every time they drop them across the logs. <laughs> yeah, that's the that was a pretty recent one, actually. So do yourself a favor, and if you're hunting around creeks, don't get the flashlights that are like multiple phase. You know, you hit it once for a bright light, once for a, a low, and then a stroke. Yeah. Because every time it's, you know, we're talking, what, two, three foot of water. Nothing bad, but enough. I don't want to go swimming in the middle of December. And I'm, I'm fishing around with this stick. <sighs> And you hit the button once and you see that light change and you think, okay, I got two more. And you, you, hit it and you see it float down that creek a little bit farther and it's like, crap, there's the red light. I got one more. And he's, don't hit it again. Don't hit it again. <laughs> and go swimming. Go swimming, right? Jason. <laughs> and here's this little girl sitting there with no flashlight. Of course, she's done that on us lots of times. I mean, how many times have we got to a tree and look back and here she comes and she's got no flashlight? I mean... <laughs> This little girl just takes off through the woods and she is ready to get to a fox tree. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Uh, no, man. If I was, if I was going to end it with anything, it'd be a, find yourself a good hunting partner that, uh, that you can be honest with and you can take their honesty because uh, a second set of eyes can, can really do wonders for, uh, for a guy in, in his pack that he's working on. Um, Cause I, I struggled with that a lot with Jason how do, how do I put my opinion out there without hurting his feelings? And, 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 uh, and how can I take what he's saying in without, uh, without just shrugging it off? You know, I, I think, uh, a good guy to hunt with, uh, in a second set of eyes is, is worth gold. 
Well, we hit on that with Don too, I think. And, you know, I'm excited that we're doing this podcast and it's a little bit different approach. You know, we don't, we don't want to tell people how to do what we do because it is such a personal experience. And there's no way. Right. It's whatever makes you happy. You're feeding that dog. If that dog makes you happy at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. You know, yeah, other people are going to have input, whether it's asked for or not. But at the end of the day, let's say you're hunting them one day, you're living them with them seven days a week. You got to like it. You got to enjoy it. You know, it's got to be something good for you. And it's been, you know, years of hunting with people and trying to, to find that person that really looks at things objectively. And I know Don is, has been this for you, buddy, in a lot of ways. Like he said things that you don't want to hear, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's right there in front of you and you know what it is, but you just don't want to hear it, you know? And uh, shoot, I know there's been lots of times, like I, I appreciate having an honest voice on the other end of the radio and I'll look at Brandon sometimes and I'll say, I know what I need to do right now. I'm just not going to do it. You know, <laughs> and we've hit a point where he's like, yeah, well, at least you know what you need to do and you're making your own decision. But, you know, there, there's so many people out there that are new. They're trying to get into this. And I would really encourage you surround yourself with people that are encouraging. Um, I think that there's a lot of people out there that that like to show people how to hunt. And they like to have them along and, and, and be involved. But really, at the end of the day, you're the one feeding that hound. And you're the one paying the fuel to take it to the woods. You know, find, find yourself a hunting partner that is willing to be brutally honest. And you got to put your ego aside. I'll tell you that right now. Um, Brandon said some things to me, you know, that if you weren't thick-skinned or honest, you know, I've seen hunting partners you know go their separate ways over over lesser things right and but i mean buddy how do you think you'd be doing if, if don wasn't brutally honest with you in the right i say the right heart you know he has the best intentions doing that yeah it'd be difficult like i said it it you know there's a there's a balance for me whenever somebody new comes on it's like i always just think you just gotta in some respect i'm a kind of a I'm kind of a person that, that you know, like Don, Don says, natural consequences. You know what I mean? Like you got to have some natural consequences, you know, it, mm-hmm. and that doesn't matter in anything in, in life in some respects is you got to get in there and you got to earn your, your licks. And, and some of that, you know, is too early for, you know, when somebody's new there, it's like, yeah, dump your dog in, but just don't expect it to do what my dogs are going to do, you know? And, and as they do that more and more, they kind of, they go through them early learning curves of, of stupid things, you know, where there's running deer or, you know what I mean? All the little things that we all went through. Um, some of that, I don't think as much as we can tell a person, I think you, you got to let them just earn their stripes. And, and right. There's no substitution um, time. And I think Don was really good at that. He just look at me like, well, well, what they did. <laughs> yeah, I know damn good and well. He knew exactly what they were doing, but he just let me. Sucker dog. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I, you know, for me, it's a little bit of a balance. And sometimes I, you look at it and like, you know, I, I can just recall so many of these old timers telling me, oh, yeah, I don't know. That sounds maybe that was a cat or maybe that was, you know, I'm, I'm now looking back, I'm like, those bastards, they knew. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they just didn't right. want to tell me. They, you know, whether it was they didn't want to tell me or, or they wanted me to, to learn the hard way. I don't, I don't know. No, I got one of them, too. He just stopped by actually about an hour ago. I had to kick him out of here for the podcast, but like Tony Witcherly, I mean, he's the one that got me started. I know Brandon knows Tony real well. Mm -hmm. It's a great guy. Well, and the thing is, this was the hardest part about hunting with Tony is he was so nice. He just genuinely is one of the nicest people I've ever met. I've never heard him bad mouth anybody. And in a way it kind of hurt me. It's like, Tony, why didn't you tell me to just quit wasting my time <laughs> with this dog, you know, and, and find him a home somewhere else or whatever. It's uh, but he was very much that just let him figure it out. He probably figured I was getting enough of a rasm as it was from everybody else. And, you know, he's just the silent type, but 
you know, looking back, it's like, man, I really wish you just would have knocked some sense into my head. <laughs> so Brandon, who, who was your mentor before we wrap this up? Like, who do you, who did you lean on to help, help you through some of that? Um, you know, there is, I had, you know, I had a, a buddy um, that I want to say dogs kind of drove us apart. Um, but we come on kind of the same time. And I think between the two of us, um, working at it and, and trying stuff, um, maybe, maybe kind of kept each other or at least me motivated. Um, um, you know, but then when I really got into, to, you know, the running style, um, bread dogs, um, I think, uh, guys like, uh, Eric Patton, who had kind of been doing the same thing and, and Sonny Turner, who, um, has endless, endless knowledge, you know, you can kind of throw it, you can give you ideas and like, you know, whether they're right or wrong, it, it kind of gives you direction. And, and, uh, so some of those guys like that have kind of told me, you know, and, and, and like Doobie was talking, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a problem and they'll tell you, well, this is where you're screwing up. And, and this is what I would do, you know, take it or leave it. And, and, uh, that's, that's kind of how I just, I, I went about it. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, the buddy I had, um, when I first started, um, just, just having the two of us there to kind of make sure we were trying or, or getting out there on the day I'm, I'm feeling like, ah, accountability. yeah, accountability. Yeah. Thinking I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere and I'm, I'm kind of wanting to, to, uh, throw in the towel or, or pout about it, you know, and, and, uh, that's, I think that was kind of the motivation to keep me going, um, for a long time. But like I said, I, Eric, I talked to him on a daily basis and, and, uh, I think he almost enjoys telling me what he thinks, where, where he thinks I might've screwed up, whether he's right or wrong that day. Um, but, uh, it kind of keep, keeps me looking, looking at what I'm feeding and, and, uh, keeps me going in the direction that, you know, I want to be going in. Right on. Well, cool. I think we're just about out of time here. Any last, any last things before we, we wrap her up? You spilled all your guts out of it, Jason. Are we going to say some, some stories about? Save them for the next episode. I think <laughs> There's probably too many to list steps. anyway. <laughs> we'll get together for a beer sometime, buddy. That's when, that's when, the, that's when the real stories start happening. Right. Like, oh, Brandon's got lots of stories, man. <laughs> you got to remember, this guy, he worked for me <laughs> back in the day. And I remember Buddy telling me his story that we went to the cat. It was a cat hunters gathering, right? Over J.C. Paget put it on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Brandon's driving this old Tacoma pickup, blacked out, and I remember Buddy noticing that it had a W sticker in the back of it, and he knew he was my best friend. It's like, that's an okay guy right that's there. That's an all man. right guy. <laughs> that's yeah. a guy that's just going to hold his line. He don't give a shit about nobody. He's going to make nope. sure he does what he wants to do. That's the truth, too, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, Brandon, for sure, yeah. man. Well, I, I kind of want to, I haven't got the chance to tell him, but I almost had a bone to pick with buddy about uh, when I worked with you and all them, all them spam phone calls you got all day long. Oh. Jason me. was telling me about that. Prohibited me from about getting anything done. <laughs> yeah, let Brandon tell you about it. He'll tell you the real scoop on what it was. <laughs> well, we'll give that story really quick. I had a buddy. I was telling Jason, he told me about this. I'm like, you know, and I had a buddy and I don't remember what Jason or he, he did. This is, this is plum tree W fighting days. And, uh, <laughs> something he did just irritated me. And I was bitching to my buddy and I have a buddy that lives in Texas. He doesn't have dogs. He's, he's a Intel guy, he's uh, got my birds. Intel, but he, yeah, he sells birds. And so long story short, he sells these parrots on Craigslist and, he's got the whole city pissed off at him. So they shut his Craigslist ads down. And so he's got this system that, uh, he, he hires these people offshore and he pays them um, $2 a, an hour or something like that to put ads up. And so he just, he just sends him a message says, Hey, go put my ads up in all these different Texas areas and all his birds ads show up and his phone just starts blowing up with people wanting to buy little birds. Anyways, long story short, I was bitching about Jason for something, you know, there was something on there and, and, uh, he, he just, he just says, Hey buddy, don't worry about this. I got this. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, don't ask any questions. I got this. <laughs> and so apparently my buddy 
just paid that two dollars to whoever it was that does his bird ads and threw a couple other ads in there i don't know even know what the ads they were but he just threw a couple ads and, and put your guys's phone number down yeah it was uh it was a little while i was selling i remember specifically it was a 96 mustang convertible for 600 dollars with one of them <laughs> and that phone rang what brandon a week solid I mean, like it literally jammed my phone line so bad. I quit answering the phone and just checking voicemails and calling people back. Oh, oh it, it was bad. Brandon was, yeah, he's sitting there working like, you got to be kidding me. This phone, it's still ringing. <laughs> oh, it's unreal. We've got some stories like Jason sending us nameplates. Oh, there's a ton of stories. We're going to have to get into some we need of them. Yeah, we need like a, a B-roll podcast yeah. bonus. Yeah. Back in the day, early, early days. Double drama. <laughs> some of it, some of it, I wish I could go back on. I, I made some mistakes and, and, uh, trust my buddy Carlos was one of them. I can tell you that. He, Thanks, Carlos. He, he just told me, he said, don't ask any questions. I'm like, okay. So I went around my day. I had no clue that anything was going on, but <laughs> it's, it's a good buddy to have whenever you need something done. He's just like, don't, I got it. Don't, don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so. I apologize. I'll, I'll uh, tell Carlos. He probably will will pat himself on the back for that one. But I'm sure. <laughs> tell him All an right, axis guys. deer hunt would would help us. An axis he does. Yeah, axis deer. We'll get over it. Real quick. Apparently, he's been trying to get me to go to this axis deer hunt, but it's like you sit in a a, a chair, and he's probably listening. He's gonna be hurt. He's gonna hurt. I'm gonna hurt his feelings probably, but. You sit behind the buy mart there over in a you know a five acre plot, and I'm like, that's just not my type of hunting. <laughs> like I, I like you know, I don't want to say fenced hunts or whatever, but that, you know, uh, his type of hunting. I'm like, yeah, it just it just has no you know the meat sounds good, but ship me some steaks. Yeah, I, I, can we just cut the, the the shooting part and hunting part down? And you just send me some meat. I'll be okay with that. But who knows? I mean, we're not pick up. You ain't into it. Yeah, if I gotta, if I can't just start walking and, and walk for miles and you know kill myself, I don't know. So, anyways, well, let's wrap this up. Brandon, it was good. We're gonna have to have you back on. You gotta think about some more stories for Jason because I, I like hearing Jason's mess ups. I'll spend some time and dig them up, write them down. Perfect. <laughs> you won't have to dig far. 